Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Please join us as we discuss what's happening in Harrison County, Indiana. Hey, Harrison County, I'm Elmer Ramos. And I'm Graylin Porter, and you're listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. Welcome to episode 44 of the Blue Dot Podcast. I'm Graylin Porter, and I'm joined by Amanda Ramos today. Hi. 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 <laughs> uh, we are here with our much anticipated election episode. I can't wait. <laughs> a lot to dive into, for sure. A lot to dive into, a lot to discuss. Um, we are recording this on October 16th. And if I get it edited early, I might put it out early, just because I think, you know, the the better, the longer, the better. Like, yeah, I mean, there's at least... Like, even if it goes out on schedule, there's still two weeks of early voting, you know, so there's a lot of time for people to make a plan. Yeah, exactly. And so we're just going to discuss, you know, some local news, but then the election in general, Adam Schneider is going to join us um, and just what the key races are and what people should know going in before they vote. And of course, obviously where they can vote and when and all that. Okay, so we'll take a break and then we'll get right into it. If you love getting local updates from the Blue Dot, consider making a donation by visiting bluedothc.com slash donate. Blue Dot is made up entirely of volunteers and all donations go towards reaching out into the community and bring you the information you deserve. Any contributions will make a significant impact. Please visit bluedothc.com slash donate to make your contributions. Thank you so much. Well, so a couple of people texted me and they alerted me to a recent um, audit report of the county that was released on August 30th. So oddly enough, like this has been out for, you know, a month or more, um, but the the county was audited. And so we have the report and basically it concludes that the auditor's office is not doing its job. Hmm. Yeah. And well, and it's not the first report. Is that's actually what's most significant to me because, like, the one report's been out for quite some time, but it's like, okay, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a chance to do better, and yeah. then another report comes out several months later, and no one did any better. It no. Like, no. Yeah. It's it's really wild, and I'm actually trying to pull it up right now, and the website is down. Oh, there it is. Okay, cool. So we'll talk about the auditor's office first, and then there is some stuff about the parks, of course, in there. Um, But, you know, we've been talking on this podcast for a long time about how there's no minutes for any meetings. And I've heard from lots of people that, you know, that's not okay, that the county council and the commissioner's office or meetings, there's no minutes for. And so this report kind of opens up with that, that that's not okay that there's no minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, you know, I, my main question from all of this is, you know, what happens now? Okay. The state has concluded that the auditor's office isn't doing its job, but you know, are there any repercussions from this? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty disappointed that there was, it's something really simple and there was no mm-hmm. effort to improve it. And, um, you know, I've, been on boards like small boards that don't take tax money and we still do minutes and we still approve the minutes every time yeah I mean that's the most basic thing of a board you can get Mm -hmm. and you know um the so the the report this is from the state board of accounts says formal minutes um 
of the meetings of the Board of County Commissioners and County Council were not transcribed during the audit, peer, audit period or in the months thereafter. Therefore, the minutes were not approved. So essentially, like because they have no minutes, that means minutes were not approved by the board. So, you know, I don't know for sure, but like, does that mean all the business that's taken place is not actually official if you don't have minutes? I'm not sure either. Yeah, like that to me is shocking because mm -hmm. it protects them. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that that that's kind of the weirdest thing is that having minutes recording what you decided protects you as a board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, is there any training that takes place for people who are elected? Because it is like a whole... I job. think so. Okay. Yeah, but it's minimal. I, I I mean, I don't know for sure, but I know that anybody can run to be auditor. Mm -hmm. And it's a massive job. Mm -hmm. It's a massive job. And in my opinion, it's not paid as highly as it should be. And so I, I just feel like it's hard to get people to run for that position. We didn't get somebody in the on the Democratic side. So Chad Sherman is up for election you know, in a few weeks, but no one's running against him. It, it goes on and on. And I, if you're listening to this and you haven't looked at our post and, and read this report, I, I really highly recommend you do so because it's just a lot of information that we're not going to be able to get through. But it's just surprising to me that they, that, that they're doing such a poor job of the bare minimum Mm -hmm. that the state had to do this. Cause I went to other counties and looked at their recent audit reports similar, and there's nothing like this in them. Mm. This is totally kind mm -hmm. of outrageous compared to other counties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, the juicier part for us, especially is the parks department. <laughs> um, so they have not been handling their credit cards correctly, or would you say that's correct? Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy to <laughs> save your receipts. I've had to do pretty that easy, for every especially job I've had. buying things online. It makes it real easy. Yeah, yeah. So they say a review of credit card payments approved by the County Parks and Recreation Board revealed that the monthly balances were not being paid in full. Supporting documentation was not being provided for all charges associated with the monthly charges. Um, so basically, they don't have receipts for a lot of credit card purchases. And we knew this in the previous audit. And basically, the previous audit report said, hey, if you don't find this stuff, you're going to have to pay personally. Like personally yeah. yeah, like Larry Schickles and Juanita Engelman, the bookkeeper, both had receipts um, that they are charges they couldn't find receipts for so they were going to be personally um on the hook for that money so it looks like they did find a portion of the money in that period and so but not all of it and so we have a screenshot of this it is um unsupported charges for larry shickles parks director um eight thousand sixty four dollars and ninety six cents other penalties were 1,151. Yeah, another part of that report, which would have been something super easy to fix, is that they're not um, tracking their vehicle mileage or their, mm -hmm. you know, gallons when they buy gas. You mm -hmm. know, so it's supposed to all equal out, like that's a reasonable amount of gas to spend yeah. or what you have to do in a day. And that would be super easy to fix, and they didn't between the reports. I know. It... <sighs> I mean, again, I feel like we've had this conversation a bunch, but is it negligence or is it 
something darker, you know? And that's kind of what I keep wondering about with this county. Is it just pure incompetence or is it something darker? And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating, but it it just seems like over and over again, we're met with like elected officials who are not doing things the way they should be doing them, like mm-hmm. according to the law. And yes, they're kind of, you know, it's minutia, it's bureaucracy, but it is the law. Yeah. And the fact is that they work for us mm-hmm. like, and they don't feel obligated at all to serve us well that's no. upsetting to me and it's I upsetting know- and it's also upsetting to me that that when you ask them about any of this or you you know request things publicly you put in public requests um it's met with like real hostility mm-hmm. um at least in my uh circumstances it, it, you know why are you asking for these things um you know, how dare you ask for these things? How dare you point these things out? How dare you ask questions? And it's like, well, but you're elected officials. Yeah. This is within our right mm-hmm. to, to request these things and to ask these questions. And why be defensive? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, that just raises a red flags if you're like, why are they requesting this? The fact that the commissioners and the council, so there was a meeting held, the, the, uh, the report says this there was a meeting held on july 28th to discuss this you know um where the parks was present um so it says the contents of this report were discussed on july 28th 2022 with larry shickles um gregory's park board member chad Sharman, county auditor charlie crawford president of the board of commissioners donald hasung president of the county council richard gurdon county council member and nelson steepro county commissioner and jim highkemper county commissioner so that is basically all the leaders of our county all the elected officials that are the leaders of the local government were in this meeting they were in the previous meeting in 2020 mm-hmm. they've known about this and we didn't know yeah and they weren't going to tell us and this is not okay yeah, and I haven't done the math, and I don't, you would have to do a lot of digging to do the math, but like between this being like a red flag and then all the times that the Parks Department has come to the council for more money that mm-hmm. has almost no restrictions, that there's no bids hardly, there's no like, mm-hmm. there's no budget. Yeah. And then, and they, they get it every time, even though that they know that they have a record of being bad. of exactly like how so that that brings us into our next you know topic is the the parks uh held a special meeting on wednesday and they gave an update on the playground project and there wasn't a lot of new information given about the playground itself the scope of the project or or anything like that they're still saying it's going to be done by july of 2023 the more interesting thing to me was when parks board member scott fleur asked larry how the project interacts with state bidding requirements. And he basically said, hey, I already know the answer to this question, but for the record, could you explain that? And so I think that's really interesting because he he knew we were there recording and he wanted to get it on record that this project is in compliance with state bidding requirements. And so that, that tells me a lot because he knows we're asking those questions. And so he's trying to get out ahead of it. And the answer was interesting. Um, Larry opened up with, uh, this is a direct quote. He says, the the board appointed a commission to review this. We had nine that responded to the first round. 
They presented to this board, the board reviewed those, and they narrowed those down to three. And he's referring to companies that are going to get this um, you know, contract. The total cost for the project at Hayeswood alone is $2.5 million. It seems odd to me you would bring in nine companies, have them present all this stuff about these playgrounds when mm-hmm. you don't even have this project approved. Yeah, and then the budget was kind of a surprise too. Like, yeah. Think, so if I owned a playground company, first I would ask, is the where's the money? Is the money there? Like, I wouldn't put all this time into. Has a the county committed the money? Has the foundation committed the that money? That would be you, like a whole week's worth of work, right? Do you to put have together? the money committed yet? Yeah, and yeah. so again, he didn't say when these meetings took place. So I don't know for sure, but. They have said in previous meetings that this has been a year's ongoing project. So I'm assuming they took place before. Mm -hmm. Again, a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Um, (laughs) Did the State Board of Accounts say like when they were following up or do we know no i don't know that but i think it's important that people know and and i want to you know reiterate that these are public documents so we have links to them anybody can access these reports Mm -hmm. like this isn't something that we had given to us or you know this is not confidential information like you can go to this indiana state board of counts and look up any county any government agent you know department and look at these audits. So we just, this is open to anyone who wants to look at it. And we simply just said, here's a link, go have a look. And it, it got shared lots and lots of times on, on Facebook. And so hopefully more people are aware of it because obviously the local paper is not going to do anything about it or say anything about it. And then the commissioners and the council aren't going to, because it makes them look bad. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's important that people people know that the state of Indiana is literally like coming down here and saying, you guys are not, this is not working. Like you're not doing the right thing here. Mm-hmm. What'll happen yeah. after? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we deserve to have our taxes be accounted for. Yeah. Like yeah. ultimately I support, you know, the playgrounds and like mm-hmm. cool events. Like I want that, but I, I need to know that it's being done well. And that you have receipts for the purchases. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's like base level. I mean, I'm that- pretty sure I would have been fired from my other jobs had I not saved receipts. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is 101. Like this is not something that's hard to, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a high note, uh, Glastoberfest was, I think, a huge success downtown. Yeah. yeah. Main Street did such a good job getting people out. Like they found oh. some sort of secret marketing recipe and it was packed it was was so packed and it was so wonderful um it was so great to see that many people just at a festival in downtown Corydon I mean it was awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and then like the just being able to be a pedestrian and walk around and like not have to worry about cars and you know we had our baby there that's key I think closing down all those streets I know I kind of was like how did they get that done like wow um but that's what makes it successful is that Mm -hmm. those streets are closed Mm -hmm. yeah totally and I think parking was fine I you know it seemed like everyone was finding places to park we drove through at like nine last night and um see I mean there were cars everywhere but it didn't seem outrageous or anything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
So good job. Good job. It was really oh, good. I'm so happy for them. All right. Well, uh, we're going to come back in a few minutes. We're going to be joined by Adam Schneider and we're going to get into some of the local and um, statewide races and maybe maybe some national stuff. But I'm I'm way in the dark about national stuff. I'm focused on more on the local. Yeah, for sure. It seems like a really just pivotal year for Indiana. That's about all I can handle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay, we're back and we're here to um, talk about the election. Uh, it's, let's see, it's October 16th. Uh, we've got three weeks. Yeah. It's, it's, are coming. you ready? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, ready. I'm, I'm more than ready for it uh, to be here. Um, we're joined by Adam Schneider. Hello. Hey guys, how are you doing? <laughs> We're good. Um, and so Adam's running for county council, um, and we had him on. He's also vice chair of the party. I'm running for county council, and I'm chair of the Democratic Party. So uh, we're well represented on the ballot. And uh, we had you on because we want you to talk about kind of why you decided to run. And then we're going to talk more about statewide races and maybe some national stuff, but I know hardly anything there. Um but yeah, I, I, I'm really curious to hear like why you decided to run this time. Sure. Well, it's it's was kind of a multiple pronged deal. If you had asked me, I know you all did a, a story about working the election mm-hmm. in the primary, and I've also worked the primary. And if you'd asked me on that day if I was going to run in the general election, I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> I had, no plans of running for elected office this year. I can't say that I've never thought about it. My career has been in politics in the past, and I have thought about it running before, but again, it uh, wasn't something that was really on my radar. And the county, just like the whole country, redistricted, and they they did a really good job of gerrymandering our county. Mm-hmm. As you know, uh, they kind of made yeah. your district really big and then go to your street. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can, people can say, why are, why not? Mm-hmm. The commissioners are the ones who drew the lines, but. Thank you for saying that because I think that's really important to point out. Um, Cause not a lot of people know that I didn't know that, you know, until relatively recently, but the county commissioners, the ones we talk about often, Nelson Stepro, Jim Heikenberg, Charlie Crawford, those are the three people that determine our voting districts, like your precinct. So that's a ton of power, like tons that they have. It's not at the state level, um, you know, so they know who I am um, and they draw these districts. It's a very small community. They they know the people, you know. Yeah. Well, for example, my district is all of Lanesville and then it goes down like 62 and Cordon Ridge Road to Cordon to downtown Cordon and it's kind of a long district Mm -hmm. 
it's when I, when I think of fair districts, I think of like squares and then, you know, mm-hmm. everyone has the same shot of that same square, but you know, when you have the power to, to make the lines, you know, that's what happened. And, um, we, after the primary, uh, the chairperson of the party, Grayland, you had the power to appoint people to fill any ballot vacancies. And we were at a meeting and we were talking about, you know, getting people to run that hadn't run in the primary. And everyone was talking about, well, who do we know from Lanesville? Who do we know from Lanesville? And everything turned. <laughs> and I looked at, at you and I was like, like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it almost was like, I don't know why I'd never considered it, but it was like a light bulb, like a cartoon, yeah. like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, I wait a minute. Yeah. So you would, I have been a former party chair myself and I've asked plenty of people to run and uh, I had considered it before. Um, I feel like anytime someone steps up to run for office is a huge, huge deal. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. So having asked people before, I felt like, well, this is my opportunity to also stand up. And um, I believe in public service. I have a family history of family members being involved in politics and public service. And it's just really important to me. And the main reason, it took me a long time. I mean, I went up to like the last minute deciding whether I was going to run or not, because it's a big deal. And I had to talk to my family. I had to think about work. Um, But so at the last minute, I decided because I didn't want people in the district to not have a choice. If there's just one person on the ballot, you know, that's there's no choice there. And Mm -hmm. so that was probably Mm -hmm. my main reason was just make that people in the same. district had a choice yeah that's the same main reason i i'm running is um i i see it as a kind of a tragic situation if you go to the ballot and there's nobody else like there's only one person like that's not what we're about in this country um and so, yeah, I think, and, and, you know, we had a lot of people kind of step up in that period of when we were appointing people for that reason, you know, and I just want to, you know, give a quick shout out to all of them here. Like it means so much that they did that. Um, and, Cause it, it's made the election so much more um, hopeful for us to have, to, to know we have choice in almost all of the areas of the County um, district one, Kyle Nix's district, we couldn't get somebody there. Um, and so that's yeah. that's a bummer. But that's a it's okay. Well, and we it's didn't okay. also have a, a person from our party on the commissioners, but there is an independent running, Darren Duncan. True. And that's the first time that I remember mm-hmm. voting in Harrison County of there ever being an independent. And I could be wrong, but that's the first time and yeah, so we've talked about it being kind of an experiment to see. Uh, because yes. we're so tribal in this county, and one of our big issues is straight party ticket voting. You just go in mm-hmm. and say, you know, I'm going to hit that straight party ticket. Um, you're not going to see that I'm running and that, you know, I went to school with you and you know me, or I went to church with you, or we did service projects together, or, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't, like, look at your choices, you might 
not know that Tim Bridges is running for Franklin Township um, trustee. And he's a, he just retired. Mm -hmm. He was a teacher at Lanesville and he was a a mentor to me when I was in junior high. Um, So that's one of our big issues in the county, obviously, is this sense of tribalism and just straight ticket voting. It's been really hurtful to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I feel, um, or I've had a lot of Republicans tell me they feel the same way. You know, they feel the same way that they're not a fan of straight ticket voting. And I, I, I would say if you did a poll of the County, the majority mm-hmm. of people would agree with that. Yeah. Um, awesome. I just, it's really inspiring to me when people actually commit to putting themselves on the ballot. I don't know why I just really, it really well, means a lot to me when people yeah, do that. I agree too. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, I think there's a stigma about running. I mean, it's scary and mm-hmm. you're going to get haters and pushback, but it's been really positive too. Like the amount of people, even people I didn't know, like at Heritage Weekend who were like, I don't know if it's going to help, but you have our vote. And, you know, <clears throat> that's really heartening. And then you run these mm-hmm. tribalistic people who think that we're demons and um, <laughs> kind of want to break that stigma. I, I've worked as a bipartisan election worker for over 10 years now and have worked hand in hand with the other side. I have many Republican family members. How can we work together and make the community a better place if you think that the person living next to you is Satan, you know, essentially? Um, I yeah. want to break that stigma. Mm-hmm. I want to work with the other side. I yeah. want to... You know, we're in this to make our community a better place. And we can't do that if you think that your neighbor is a horrible person. Uh, just one thing, like Adam, you said people say, like, I don't know if it'll count, but you have my vote. And I just hate that people feel that way. Like, I think that that has been purposeful, that people have been made to feel that way. And it, like, especially in these local elections, your vote absolutely does count. And I don't think it's as steep a hill as people think. I think that people are made to feel hopeless, so they don't put in the effort. And I think it's all smoke and mirrors, like, at a at a certain level so especially with um the statewide races so you know that's something we want to talk about is 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 the statewide races your vote matters it Mm -hmm. matters a ton in the statewide races and so um the candidates for in indiana for these statewide races are so exciting for this this election you know you have all women except for tom mcdermott Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and so you have Tom McDermott for Senate, you have Zanae Brooks, um, or Zanae, I'm sorry, Zanae Brooks for Auditor, you have Destiny Wells for Secretary of State, and Jessica McClellan for Treasurer. Just to have all women, almost, is so exciting, and they're such great candidates. I mean, I've heard most of them speak. They've all, except for Jessica, they've all been there to Harrison County by the time this will come out. Destiny yeah. Wells is, is was here on the 22nd, and so... That's amazing that they've all made it down to us. And I can personally vouch for Jessica. She's a wonderful, great yeah. person. Yeah. And I've met her and um, very briefly, but yeah, it's, it's just, I, and I don't know, I haven't been involved in local, you know, the local scene long enough to know, but I feel like it says a lot that they all have been down here or the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's always been a thing for us down in Southern Indiana. You know, in the past when we were, 
all blue, you know, they people would come down, but it's hard to get Indianapolis politicians that come down to Southern Indiana. And like you said, most of them have come down and that's been really awesome. It is. Destiny Wells. So yeah, I I am I did not I knew her race was like really kind of dramatic and and the opponent was a scary scary boogeyman kind of opponent but i didn't know like details and so i decided to do a little research before we started recording and oh boy yeah Uh, it's this is this is uh this is an important election uh this race is very important and please if you're listening to this i highly recommend educating yourself on the secretary of state race yeah i'm more nervous about this election i think than i was for 2020 like, really? Because, oh. Well, because now we have election deniers and they're actually on our ballot. True. <laughs> so that the, is secret- true. the Republican Secretary of State candidate, he's an election denier and he is running to run our elections. Like that is yes. very scary to me. Yes. Yeah, so if you aren't familiar out there listening, the Secretary of State basically runs the elections. That's the main job of the office. And so this person, Diego Morales, is an election denier. He calls the 2020 election a scam and thinks Trump won. Mm-hmm. Um, he got fired from the secretary of state's office before. Um, mm-hmm. And what I think's very interesting is the Republican party in Indiana did not want him as their nominee. The primary with Holly Sullivan was the most expensive race in the past two decades that they've had. Um, they put, tons of money behind her to try to beat him and she couldn't and this is what we've seen play out across the country is in republican primaries moderate or more center more you know establishment republicans cannot win against these people i don't remember like specifically what it's called but there's like a concept and it's called like the window of acceptability or something and so there's like a a span of what we consider to be acceptable to say and then people chip away and chip away at it and chip away at it and make it like move it move the dial until it's like so extreme and i think that's where we've gotten like like it's not alarmist if todd rokita says our attorney general says something anti-semitic like we need to move on that because Mm -hmm. he's moving the dial for what's acceptable and like it's just gone through the trump years it's gone so far yeah yeah. Yeah. And I always kind of liken it to that old, you know, like a, a frog in cold water. Mm-hmm. Is that even the thing anymore? But yeah. And it's slowly heating up. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's what's happening. And I, I don't, I don't have any other thoughts other than that. Um, but I think people like Destiny Wells, you know, trying and she's running a great campaign and, if you're worried about this, you need to educate yourself and actually do something. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just inspired by people that decide to do that because being worried about it is one thing, you know, I, that's, that's one of my biggest frustrations when I talk to people is if they're worried, but they're not acting and it, you know, we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not hopeless. Like, I don't know. Did you point out that she's ahead in the polls? She's So she is actually polling ahead of him 
And so um, it's definitely the, so this was in the Indy Star. It says the race is likely the most hotly contested statewide race in Indiana this election cycle and seems to be Democrats' best shot at picking up a statewide seat in Indiana in over a decade. Getting back to what we said, your vote here in Harrison County counts a ton in her race. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Like mm-hmm. like voting for her really is a huge thing you can do because it's a statewide race. It doesn't matter if she wins in Harrison County. Now, if she does, if she gets the majority of um, the votes in Harrison County, it, it does affect us directly because we, the Democrats, would then be in you know, in the position of power for the election as in appointing those judges that over or inspectors, I'm sorry, that oversee every polling location. So right now the Republicans do that. But if our county votes a majority for her, we get to do that. So it is um, it does have, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, consequences for us here in the county. But, you know, because it's a statewide race, it it's not about we can't say, oh, well, this is Harrison County. It doesn't matter. No, it, it matters because our vote is going into the big pool of the mm-hmm. entire state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, you can also tie that to my understanding about Matt Fife, who's running yeah. for the ninth district. Now, Matt is probably not going to win Harrison County, mm-hmm. but the more votes that we can get in Harrison County adds up to his total up in Monroe and places that and he's same get exact a thing with votes. Katie Four and Jason Shemansky. So um, mm-hmm. they are, you know, they've got Floyd County, which I don't know the numbers and how Floyd County shakes out anymore. It's always been seen as a, you know, blue, m- bluer place, but I don't know if that's true anymore. Okay. I believe it is. I've seen okay. from the last um, election. And so they've got those areas with us. And so if we can boost them down here, obviously that helps them. So it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And they're running for um, Indiana. State Senate positions. and State, like state House of Representatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that they're really strong candidates, but also... It, it does matter who they're up against for sure in this instance. And both of their opponents are so extreme. They don't, they represent like maybe 10% of their. And if you want to know more about, we, Amanda and I's episode about SB1, we talked about both Karen Engelman and Gary Byrne who are running against them extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I would recommend going back and listening to that if you want to know more about them. But yeah, they're, I, they're not as bad as this uh, opponent for destiny wells in some regard but in some ways they are if you're you're looking at the abortion issue yeah but also if you're looking at like democracy as a whole like how much does our vote matter they want to erode how much your vote matters that's a fact like Mm -hmm. there's a national conservative movement that gary byrne also believes in which is that Voters should not get to vote for their U.S. senators. State legislatures should appoint them. So he has no power to make this actually happen. But the fact that he believes it, that he is scary, your constituent, he doesn't think it matters who you want. He wants to tell you what you get uh, in every Mm. aspect of your life, essentially. If it's not in the Bible and if it's not in the Constitution, he wants it gone. He doesn't represent us well. No. Yeah, that reminds me when the Tea Party was kind of raging and they were saying that only property owners should be able to be allowed to vote. Oh, God. Yeah, he's still he's still in the Tea Party. He still posts their posts. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I haven't thought about the tea party in a long time. I I assumed that it was just now Trumpers, you know, kind of, Mm -hmm. but I, but maybe not. It is a, that was the natural merge into Trump, but they're definitely still around and for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and we've talked about it on multiple episodes, but I do want to kind of circle back to the, the abortion issue and, and what it's done to the election in general in the past few months, because mm-hmm. especially here in Indiana, I mean, I think we're in a unique position here in Indiana with this issue because we're the only state to have, you know, put a bill in and passed it mm-hmm. in the time from overturning row to the election. So it's particularly um, kind of raw here. Yeah. I but think, I will say, us. Like, you know, um, they were taken to court. Abortion's still legal in Indiana. Like, the old laws still apply. And the same with the trans ban. Like, that was battled out in court, too. And they bring these extreme ideas to the table that aren't constitutional, that don't represent us, and then they waste more of our money fighting for them in court when we could be addressing larger concerns, you Mm -hmm. know? Totally. I have a podcast episode to recommend if if you're out there and you want kind of an overview of how it's changed the electorate. Um, it was an episode of The Daily. It was from September 6th. It's called A User's Guide to the Midterms. And they kind of start back maybe at the beginning of 2022 and and look at the the election and the kind of the temperature of the country and how it's changed and what led to those changes. And it's a really nice outline of of what people feel or at least mm-hmm. they think people feel and um you know kansas was big in that i think i was i i tend to be more on the pessimistic side i don't think that's a secret but um i was even more so before that and that gave me a little bit more hope that it's possible mm-hmm I mean, I think if there's anything good to come out of all this extreme uh, of all this extremism is it, that it's forcing these issues like mm-hmm. like abortion. No one really talked about it much before, you know, and then now it's like I don't know of any other issue that has such sustained like public interest and outrage than since Roe was overturned. Like, yeah. And one, one thing that was, I think, really interesting in this this podcast episode was they they talked about the Republicans this is actually hurting them mm-hmm. more than helping them. And it's that whole boogeyman thing. It's talking about overturning Roe and actually overturning it are two very different things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they anticipated that. Yeah, I think it was like like hypothetical exercises to pander to certain groups for their vote. And now it's time to deliver. And they're like, well, it's the whole, I'm running for student council president and it's going to be free sodas in the vending machines. You know, like it's that whole concept, like, well, okay. You, you caught the tiger by the tail. What do you do now? Yeah. Uh, So I think it's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I just, I really, I make no predictions anymore. I'm just here. That's kind of what I tell people all the time. Um, well, should we discuss like the Senate just briefly? Because sure. um, Tom McDermott is our Democratic candidate for um, U.S. Senator, and he's two points behind Todd Young. Like, there's definitely a window of opportunity there. He's the mayor of Hammond, Indiana. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard him speak twice and he's very dynamic. He's very confident. Um, I think he has a kind of bro-ish kind of podcast yeah. he does that people really like. Um, I think that if he's only two points away from from Young, that that's a huge thing because Young has really tried to kind of moderate himself and sell himself as a you know a, a moderate Republican. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely not saying all the cuckoo crazy things that other people are like Johnson from Wisconsin and and different people like that. Um, so to me. I didn't have a lot of hope for anyone that the Democrats were going to put up in that race. So for him to be that close, I think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I initially was like, oh, Todd Young is unbeatable because he's a moderate, because he's more, I'm not going to say better or like, I don't like Todd Young. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he is on the better side of Republican senators. If I was going to have to choose and I thought, well, that means he's unbeatable. But actually, given what we know about the Republican voting body, they don't like that, mm-hmm. right? They don't mm-hmm. like someone that's sinner. They don't like someone that is willing to go across the aisle or admit that immigration is good or any, you know, I mean, like um, he has a lot of housing policy that's really fairly progressive. Uh, and so to me, I've kind of had to be like, well, that actually isn't a good thing with the Republicans and they may not vote for him because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see how it's all shaking out mm-hmm. that they're dividing. No, that cuts both ways. Graylin, like mm-hmm. you talk Herschel Walker in Georgia. Oh boy. People, yeah. He really messed up and people are just going to vote for him because he's an R. I know, you know? exactly. It so cuts both ways. It's Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I mean, who our senator is matters more than ever, I guess, with the Supreme Court, you know, kind of leaning more extreme. So like what's on the table coming up is pretty scary, um, like right to contraception and um, gay marriage. I mean, for that to be decided on a state by state basis with our like extremist supermajority state legislature, like we know where they're going to land on. that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, and it's just hurtful and ridiculous and unnecessary. So they're gonna gay marriage was not in the constitution. So yeah, and right to contraception. I mean, can you even imagine? Well, that one, I'm just like, go ahead and do that and see how it works out for you. I mean, like, okay, <laughs> but I, I I'm just imagine like, having to so get my absurd. husband to sign a paper, yeah, or whatever. I, I, I just can't even. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't even touch that with a ten foot. Like, okay. <laughs> I agree with you that that is ridiculous that they would want to go after contraception and i i understand the catholic logic of that like it's preventing a life from aid and so i understand why but um again it's like the dog catching the car it's like how more extreme can i be mm-hmm. i can one up you one more and be just a little bit more extreme in my stance and that's pretty soon there's no place else to go it's so extreme but that's kind of how the other side is going it seems yeah yeah and and i we've been talking a whole lot about like the republican side and how you know we're we're hoping that that line of thinking doesn't prevail and and not a lot about like what democrats stand for but but the thing is i think everybody knows like 
I do think that this is fairly simple to understand. And what it's obvious what they want to do. It's obvious what we want to do. I don't think it's necessarily uh, productive to sit and talk about all this stuff that we are going to do because it is sort of urgent. We know what they want to do and it's pretty destructive. And we're just trying to protect what we already have and give people Mm -hmm. more. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I like, I w- being Democrat is not part of my personal identity. Like that's yeah. how I'm voting currently, you know, but I, I can't say the same about the other side. Like that seems to be a really important part of who they are, but well, some, you know, some, mm-hmm. some Republicans, you know, I think the biggest issue the, I guess the reason I identify most as Democrat is it makes sense to me. Like we, it's, it's not contradicting itself. We're not saying all life, matters and then denying kids free school lunch you know like that's what they are about so it's really hard to follow the logic i've always looked at it as okay we have a two-party system in this country one party is pretty narrow in what it is about and it's very religious and i don't know when that i think i'm sure there's a lot of you know some giant book I could read and podcasts I can listen to about when that happened, when Republicans kind of merged with uh, religiosity. But for me, I've always seen, I'm not a religious person. So for me, I've always looked at it as, well, I can't be in this one. So I'm in this one. Mm -hmm. And it's that religion piece that I think really does set it aside now. I don't know about always, but right now I think that's a lot of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I I do want to just kind of bring it back to local real quick. And um, I think that the reason that we have any type of shot in this county is the people that we put up and our attitude about working with the other side, being a bigger person. We had only been filed in, when you filed us. Oh, boy. Yeah. And... <laughs> after the primary and we were challenged by the other side yeah. and it was, they were going to kick us off the ballot for having a small clerical mistake. And if, if I knew that my opponent had made a similar mistake, I would have wanted her to fix it and have an opportunity, but yet they tried to take us off the ballot completely yeah. through a channel. And I think that because of like your mom, Graylin, has this this philosophy of being nice to everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure if someone treats your mom not nice, she's gonna react in a different way, but- Not often. It's been kindness first. Yeah. Even whenever you took over the party and there were any type of moral decisions to make, we were always on the same page and that's, something that I admire about you and your mom and just the way that you're steering the party in a more positive way. Mm -hmm. And because we're not some faceless Democrat that people don't know, you know, I'm your neighbor. People know me. People know that I'm not some crazy radical person. Mm -hmm. And I think that when what the other side would say was would be well back in the day democrats did that to us so we're doing it to you yeah and 
ever since I've been chair and since you've been chair, we've said, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be positive and stay above the fray. And I think that that's really been a good thing for our party locally and has really changed a lot of people's minds about the Democratic Party locally. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, I would never be here if it wasn't for you. So, um, so if you're out there listening, and you don't know what we're talking about. I made a clerical error on the paperwork for 10 candidates when we put them on after the primary. I called the meeting in which we did that a caucus when I should have called it a resolution. I checked the wrong box on the paperwork. And I guess he found this error and filed, you know, a challenge to every one of these candidates. And so 10 people could have been taken off the ballot because I checked the wrong box. And I just... You know, Adam, you dog me all the time because I have Catholic guilt and I'm not a Catholic, but I was just like that it was it was one of the hardest things I've gone through, kind of. Um, because it was all my fault, you know, I felt that way. Um, but Sherry Brown, the clerk, was very nice. It was equally her fault because she accepted all the paperwork and put these people on the ballot without checking it. So it was equally her fault and mine. Um, she did a great thing and abstained from the vote. So it went to the election board and the election board had to vote whether to keep us on or throw us off. And she said, I can't vote on this because it was my fault too, which was just so wonderful of her to do that. And she brought in a proxy and the proxy voted with us and we got to stay on the ballot. So it was a victory for us. And it taught me a lot about the way you treat people because I had been in her office several times in the weeks leading up to this submitting all this paperwork with my kids you know I joked with her staff we were in and out I'm like I'm back again with more people you know and um just treating them like anybody you know and I I think that kind of stuff pays off I think being kind led to them being kind back yes and I totally yeah and so that t really taught me a lesson on how to, to work uh, within this community. Mm -hmm. It was a big learning lesson for me. And, you know, I, I'm going to check my paperwork better. I know that. <laughs> yeah, but, but more than winning for a party, I want people to have like solid choices when they go to the ballot. And he, you know, to fill and out he their clearly doesn't, care about that no the the head of the republican party doesn't want that he they want to win at any cost and i asked him that in the meeting i said scott i said i just don't know what the purpose of this is you know you you do this you take us off the ballot well he didn't know this but there there's a new statute written into law a couple years ago that in this actual in this particular situation you can refile your candidates and get put back on the ballot um, if it's, you know, an error such as this, that isn't like if the candidate is still eligible and mm -hmm. all that stuff, it was just a paperwork error. You can, you know, fix it and put them people back on. And he, I guess, didn't realize that. So I just said, you know, what's the point of this? Like, it's cruel. It's just cruel. Mm -hmm. That's the, and it's like that book that has uh, come out recently. I didn't read it, but it's called the cruelty is the point and it's all about yeah that is the point to why trump is so popular is that is what they like that is what mm -hmm. they like about it is the cruelty and i'm just not willing to go there mm -hmm. for sure yeah 
Yeah. It was it was a victory for us. It you was. Know, we fought we fought hard to stay on the ballot and it, it shouldn't have had to be that way, but um I made a little bit of hay out of it. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't cut that nasty grass, but I made some nice hay out of it <laughs> and you know, pretty much was able to say they want to stop your choice. And I've had uh, I had many Republicans, you know, in passing that I've run into that were not happy with that. They were yeah. not happy with that decision by him to do that. Um, they said this is just too much. It's just um, so anyway. Yeah, I just wouldn't do it. Nope. No, no, I would do. No, nope. no, nope. no. Nope. 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 <laughs> all right. So um, we will have all this information in the show notes, but I just want to. Real quick, um, early voting is already happening now. Yeah. Um, it's Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Harrison County Courthouse. And you can also, on the day, um, November 8th is the election, uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And you can find out where your polling location is um, on the Harrison County government website. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I would suggest going early. I think it's yeah, easy. I love early voting. So yeah. fast. Yeah. And um, I've been getting the daily kind of reports of how many voters have been coming in. And it's a lot of people. I'm, mm. I'm really surprised. It's not near what 2020 was, I don't think. But a lot of people. Great. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us, Adam. No problem. Thanks for having me as always, guys. All righty. Bye. See you later. Okay, so we have, um, we actually have the same recommendation today, right? Yeah, we do. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> uh, the new season of Dairy Girls on Netflix. Um, I have not finished it, but I'm loving it. Yeah, you have to finish it. Like the last scene, it's like, you know, something big is happening and then the cranberries are playing. Oh and it's my like, God. It's like, it just about lost it. <laughs> It's so great. And if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, it's a show on Netflix. It's a 30 minute show. It's a comedy about teenage girls in the nineties in Northern Ireland. And I mean, it's just the funniest thing I've watched in a really long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so, so, so funny. You know, I was alive during like the conflict and everything, but mm -hmm. I didn't really know. Oh, me too. It wasn't on my radar. Yeah. And so, yeah, the troubles in the IRA are kind of like a, a blind spot in my history. Like, I don't really, I mean, I know about it, but I don't really know about it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like in the show that it's like in the background, they don't get into it a ton, but it's mm -hmm. just happening. And it's, so it's a look at like when you've got war or conflict going on, life is still happening too. Mm -hmm. And I really like that about it. Yeah. 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 I liked that too. It's like, oh, well, we can't cross that bridge because the bomb went off. And they're like, oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. And they, yeah. <laughs> like and crazy. so I, I feel like that's kind of how it, how it is maybe. Yeah. You know, you Especially still have. Especially if you were born into it. Like this generation, the generation the show's about was born into it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the actresses, um, my favorite is, I can't remember the character's name. The really dark curly hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's my favorite. Yeah. I love her so much. <laughs> Do you have subtitles on? We don't and we probably should i feel that way too it's like i'm watching tv because i don't feel like reading but then it's like but do you well and do it. you consider it like a 
like we consider it kind of like a a matter of pride like we feel defeated if we have to put oh. the subtitles on, but we we need to. They really lean into the dialects, though. They really, really, yeah. really do. I mean, it's 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 hard to understand a lot of the time. And um, Colum, the there's a character who is like a cousin, and he's in maybe in his forties, and he's one of those people that as soon as he starts talking, like everyone just eyes glaze over no one's listening and he just goes on and on and on and on and i love that yeah it's like one of my favorite <laughs> it's really good writing the whole it's show. so good yeah. it's just it's awesome you should watch it anyone out there who needs a laugh yeah for sure which we all do <laughs> all right well this has been great thanks for having me okay and everybody uh please go vote please yes. please please yes. thank you all right bye <laughs>